Hello and welcome back to this podcast series where we try to cover some of the important things in pharmacy that maybe don't get covered so much, either as an introduction to a topic or area or a refresher, all in a concise eight minutes. Today's topic that we're going to try and look at and provide an overview of is liver function and its effect on medicines. This is obviously a massive topic and can be proper complicated, but it's also really important. The liver has a massive role to play in the life cycle of medicines in a patient's body and drugs can themselves do many interesting things to the liver. So the question, how should we think about liver function, is a valid one. However, we can't make you a hepatologist after just one eight-minute podcast, so we're going to have to be selective in what we cover. So we're going to try to cover the overarching principles and ways to think about medicines in the liver, and hopefully leave you enthused to find out the detaily bits yourself. So with that, we're going to try to cover what the liver does, how you can tell when it's gone meaningfully wrong, and how to start thinking about how that might impact on the medicines you might want to give to your patient. Sound like a plan? Good. Let's get started. So, what does the liver do in relation to medicines is a fairly easy question to answer. It's pretty much the home of metabolism, where medicines get turned into more excretable things, and then it also does some of that excretion too. So it can be thought of, alongside the kidneys, as the exit door from the body for medicines. And like the kidneys, where we look at kidney function via creatinine clearance, we can also look at liver function tests, or LFTs, to look at liver function. The name's on the tin. Or is it? Well, not really, because whilst creatinine clearance does actually measure how well the kidneys are functioning, LFTs disappointingly don't really measure the function of the liver, at least in respect to how it can handle medicines. They are profoundly misnamed. To use an analogy of a restaurant, When we look at creatinine levels for the kidneys, we are kind of looking at the backlog of orders stacked up in the kitchen. The more outstanding orders you see, the less well the kitchen is working. The more creatinine you measure, the less well the kidneys are working. However, when this analogy is stretched to LFTs in the liver, it kind of falls over. Because LFTs don't actually measure the functioning of the liver, they measure the happiness of the liver. In our imaginary restaurant, it's like trying to judge how well the kitchen is functioning by seeing how angry the chef is. An angry chef might be a sign that the kitchen isn't getting the orders through, like when we pretended the restaurant was a kidney. Or it might be that the orders are going through fine, it's just that the chef is having to work really hard to keep on top of things and isn't happy about it. Or alternatively, a happy chef might be a sign that the orders are going through swimmingly. Or it could be that the kitchen's on fire, everyone's quit, and the chef has given up and is merrily drunk on the remains of the wine cellar. So that's important point number one. Liver function tests don't measure liver function they measure liver happiness, and a liver can keep working in relation to medicines even when it's utterly furious. Or it can look relatively happy, even when it's profoundly broken. And hot on the heels of important point number one is important point number two. The things we look at as LFTs are not necessarily specific for the liver. So ALK-FOS is a good example. Yes, it can be a sign that your liver is angry, but it also comes from bones. So if you've broken your leg, your ALK-FOS goes up too. And even when you're looking at something that is more liver-specific, it might not be a measure of overall liver happiness. LFTs go up after CPR, for example, because your liver takes a pummeling, not because it's stopped working. So from these two points, we therefore move on to important point number three. We need to look at a wider range of things to assess how well a liver is working than we do if we want to check how well a kidney is working. So that leads on to what do we look at? So as we've said, we can't look at what's stacked up waiting to be metabolised by the liver because there isn't a nice specific indicated substance for the liver like there is for the kidneys. And we can't measure things like SIP enzyme levels directly, but we can measure some other stuff that's a reasonable-ish proxy measure. 
And what we really like is a clotting screen, because the liver makes the clotting factors. So if your blood clotting is off, it's a sign that the synthetic function of the liver is off, which we can then use as a proxy for the metabolic functions of the liver, which is what we're interested in. And you also want to look at other signs and symptoms of liver disease too, because looking at clotting and signs and symptoms as well as LFTs gives you a better idea of how things are going. An ALT, ALKFOS and GAMMA-GT, all three times the upper limit of normal, might just be an interesting fact and something to monitor. But the same levels with an unexplained INR of 1.9 and ascites is a completely different beast. So now we've covered the basics, how do we apply this to how we think about medicines? Well, there's two types of questions we tend to get asked. What does this level of liver dysfunction do to the handling of a drug? And what might this drug do, or what might it have done, to the liver? So let's tackle the first one first. Is this patient's broken liver going to affect the medicines we give them? So for this type of question, the first thing to do is to approach the SPC with caution. Most SPCs will say contraindicated or cautioned in patients with child pew score of B or C or whatever. However, this is invariably because they've been excluded from the trials, rather than because the manufacturer knows it's a bad thing. And you approach with caution because the child pew score isn't really a good measure of a liver's ability to metabolise medicines. It's designed as a prognostic tool to give an estimate of percentage survival through the next couple of years, rather than a measure of how well it's metabolising drugs. And it's also not that helpful, because most patients you meet won't be on the child pew scale anyway, unless you work in a liver unit. So once you've read and then politely ignored most of the SPC, what do you do? Well, you need to get an idea of what the liver is actually doing. How badly is it likely to be functioning? Get a clotting screen and a liver diagnosis if possible. Remember that slightly wobbly LFTs on their own are unlikely to signal a problem with the metabolic function of the liver. It may be a bit unhappy, but livers have huge residual capacity. Then think about the drug. Is it metabolised or excreted by the liver? Is it likely to be affected by the other things that accompany liver dysfunction, like third spacing or lowered protein binding? Then think about your therapeutic window. If your drug's levels are nudged a little bit off by the liver problems, will it make an actual difference to its therapeutic effect? Now we're not pretending that these are easy questions to answer, but with a bit of thinking you can hopefully come to a reasoned options appraisal from first principles. Which then leaves the other type of question. Has this medicine broken my patient's liver? Should I stop it now? For these, the overall picture is again really useful. Pretty much every drug has been associated with transient rises in LFTs. So whilst you should be cautious, it's important not to jump to conclusions and stop an effective treatment unnecessarily. Think about the scale of the problems and trends. One LFT more than three times the upper limit of normal is something to monitor. Two going up is something to watch closely. Three going up and continuing to go up is probably the point to do something. Remember that a liver is a lot like a temperamental chef. It can often look unhappy and shouty while still working absolutely fine. Or it could be on the edge of a breakdown whilst looking perfectly happy. Signs and symptoms as well as LFTs are really important. So you need to keep an eye on things, but don't leap to conclusions and action prematurely, else you might end up ruling out effective treatments when you don't need to. Trends are important, and again, the wider picture of the situation, beyond just their ALT has doubled, what should we do? So that's it, and the end of a high-level tour of the liver with regards to medicines. This can only ever be a superficial visit because of our 8-minute format that we've stretched to breaking point already with this one. So it's worth doing much, much more learning about the subject. But for overarching principles, remember, 1. Liver function tests don't measure liver function. They measure liver happiness. 2. 
LFTs are not necessarily specific to the liver, so the LFTs might not even be measuring liver happiness anyway. And three, look at the wider liver picture, including a clotting screen, before making decisions. Then, when making those decisions, think about the whole picture, look at trends, and don't forget that liver happiness, because of its high residual capacity, is only weakly linked to liver function. Making decisions about medicines in liver disease isn't as easy as decisions about them in renal impairment, but it isn't impossible. Thanks, and see you next time.